Episode 14 starts now. Welcome to ShareMo EDU. We are a team of two Missouri lead learners sharing stories across the state and beyond. I'm Dr. Renee Hawkins, principal at Maple Elementary School in Smithville, Missouri. And I'm Dr. Eric Carlin, elementary assistant principal at Maple Elementary in Smithville, Missouri. This week's guest promotes taking individualized professional development to extreme measures. In fact, he encourages teachers to go rogue. Rich Chiz is a principal at a second through third grade school in New Jersey and author of Four O'Clock Faculty. Welcome, Rich. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here this morning and I uh, can't wait to talk. All right. Help us to get to know you and just tell us a little bit about yourself. So again, I am a uh, second and third grade principal, um, Southern New Jersey. Um, I have been in education for approximately 15 years. I started as a classroom teacher in fifth grade. And then from there, um, I kind of had a couple of years as an instructional coach uh, and technology coach. And then from there, jumped into the curriculum world where I was the supervisor and director of curriculum, kind of figured out that I was missing the kids and missing being in the building setting. So I went back uh, to being a principal and that's where I am now. So uh, that's kind of my story. Cool. Uh, Rich, what is your hashtag for education and what do these words mean to you? Um, so... The hashtag that we use is uh, hashtag 4OCF, uh, which stands for four o'clock faculty. And um, th there's a story in the book um, which kind of talks about the origin of the four o'clock faculty. And uh, my partner in setting that up was Trevor Bryan. And we kind of talked forever about starting a blog. And uh, eventually we ended up um, with the name four o'clock faculty. It took us quite a while to come up with that name. Uh, but the idea is is that you are um, going above and beyond what you need to do to make learning better for yourself and for your students. Um, and the story comes from Trevor's dad, who was a lifelong educator, 35 plus years. Um, he ended up as an assistant superintendent. But when he was hired for his first job, um, he went in and the principal was interviewing him. And he asked if he had any questions. And Larry eventually said, you know, what time are we allowed to leave? Uh, and even though the day ended at 2.15, the uh, principal at the time said, we are a four o'clock faculty. And that was his simple answer is that even though we're allowed to leave at 2.15, we're here until four o'clock because we're doing everything that we need to to go above and beyond. Great story. I know yeah. when Eric and I read your book, we uh, started tweeting each other back and forth, different ideas and implementing them here. Awesome. Yeah, such an awesome book. And, and speaking of your book, can you share a message from your book that would cause our listeners to take action uh, or just a message that you would want to share uh, with anyone who's listening in? Yeah, I, I think it all comes down to taking charge of your own professional learning. And I think for years, um, and I made this mistake as an educator as well, I think for years we have really um, always kind of put the responsibility on our professional development with someone else. And um, I know for years, you know, I always kind of put it on my principal, like that's their job to um, provide something for me and, and to help me learn. And um, I, I think that's kind of the wrong attitude to take. Uh, I think we do need to take charge of our own professional learning. Um, I think if you look at, you know, in many districts, it's one or two administrators who are responsible for planning professional development, um, trying to make it meaningful for all of their staff members. And 
you know, in addition to the other tasks that administrators have, it can be kind of an overwhelming task um, to try to make sure that you're planning meaningful and relevant PD for every individual. So, um, you know, the book is all about taking charge, um, finding, you know, your professional learning wherever you need to find it. Sometimes you're not going to get it from your building administrator. Sometimes it's going to be a coach who's in the district or a colleague, or, you know, it may mean showing up in an ed camp on a Saturday. Uh, but the, the whole message of the book is just going out there, uh, finding exactly what you need as an individual and, and taking charge of that professional learning. Yeah, it's it's just crazy how, you know, a simple Twitter chat can inspire you to do things or like uh, just simple ideas that you you can gather from your PLN and, and kind of take charge in that personal PD uh part of that, or just even diving into different books. You know, there's so many great books out right now. Um, it's just really cool to uh, take those ideas or take take all those uh, <clears throat> options that you have and, and put them to use. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of uh, George Kuros. Uh, he, he wrote The Innovator's Mindset, but um, I, I had the chance to see him speak in December. And, you know, he he basically said, and he said, I'm going to offend some people when I say this, but if you are choosing to not be connected at this point, um, it is an intentional choice. And I think there's so much out there, as you said, with Twitter and, you know, other social media, Voxer, um, there are books out there, there are ways to learn. And, um, you know, if you're choosing not to do that, you know, again, it is an intentional choice at this point, but you know, my wish would be that we get every educator on board, we get everybody, you know, taking charge and, and uh, finding exactly what they need um, as an educator. Right. I think as an administrator too, your book brought awareness to me. I mean, I always try and provide the best PD and offer teacher voice and choice. But at that time, my music teacher came to me and said, you know, this next PD is really not going to impact me. Is it okay if I go observe in other music rooms? And I said, absolutely. So just remembering everybody's background and where they're coming from and how many, you know, teachers needs we're trying to meet is really important. Absolutely. The, um, the example I always use uh, in one of my previous districts, we had our school nurse show up at our staff meetings and you know, the majority of time, our staff meeting, we were talking about, you know, literacy initiatives and math initiatives, and it really had nothing to do with our um, school nurse. So that's always the one person who, you know, if I can think about what am I providing for the school nurse, I can at least remember to uh, provide something meaningful for everyone involved. So, yes. Okay, reflect on these statements, Rich. Right now, one thing that is going well for me is, and I want to grow by. Uh, one thing that's going well right now is um, just trying to um, really impact students on a daily basis. So, um, you know, about a year and a half ago, um, I ended up coming back into a principal role, um, into the building role, and I've really tried to uh, focus my energy on impacting students on a daily basis. So um, it is something, again, where I was in the curriculum world, I was traveling between buildings, but um, was really missing that connection piece. Um, so for me, it's really about making sure I'm, you know, out on the bus ramp and, and greeting students as they're getting dropped off in the morning, um, you know, being out there in the afternoon, being in the lunchroom, being on the playground, um, just being with our students, seeing what they're doing, seeing what they're learning. Um, and I feel like that is going really well right now. Um, and then second part of that question, could you repeat that? 
how you want to grow, one way to grow. So um, I think what I'm trying to do right now is um, grow as an instructional leader. So something that I'm going to be working on uh, when we return from our spring break next week is trying to get our um, trying to become more of that instructional leader within the building. So I'm going to focus on walkthroughs, uh, but really providing meaningful feedback to our teachers to help them improve and help them grow. It's always such a huge piece is that is that feedback and and <clears throat> taking the time to do that. So uh, kudos to you for recognizing that. Uh, what three words would you use to describe the person who has made the greatest impact on your life? And kind of why do those words come to mind? Wow, um, that is a powerful <laughs> question. So, um, you know, there have been multiple people who have really impacted um, my life. Um, I, I guess it kind of starts with um, my parents. And I, I think, let me see if I can come up with three words. Um, discipline would be a first one. And, um, you know, just in terms of being a disciplined person and, you know, taking care of your business and, and trying to, you know, do the things that you need to do. So uh, I think I saw from my parents, um, you know, they were hard workers. Um, they were committed to what they were doing. And anytime they were committed to something, they followed through with it. So I, I feel like that, um, you know, that strong discipline piece uh, kind of comes from that. Um, two other words. Uh, wow, this is a good question. <laughs> so um, I guess respect uh, would be another one. And, um, you know, again, kind of learning that from my parents at an early age is um, treating everyone with respect, uh, no matter who they are, um, really, you know, um, kind of showing that kindness and caring to everyone, um, no matter of, you know, how you're treated um, or how others are treating you, making sure that you are um, showing respect to everyone. And then I guess the third one uh, would be um, empathy. And I think um, that comes from that idea of, of kindness and caring as well as really looking at everyone and trying to understand exactly what it is that they're going through. Um, and, you know, anytime I am trying to build a relationship with someone, whether that's a teacher, uh, a student, a parent, um, is really just trying to understand what they're going through. And, you know, they could have had uh, something terrible happen to them 10 minutes earlier, uh, which is the reason that they're yelling at me now, you know, as the, as the building principal. Um, but understanding that, for whatever reason, they're going through what they're going through and, uh, you know, trying to help them out in that situation. What's been a game changing moment for you in the field of education? So for me, in terms of kind of the professional learning piece, um, it, it was, it was kind of uh, two things that happened in conjunction with each other. Um, when I started in one of my previous districts, um, I had started in October, um, and we had our first full professional development day in February. So it was tied around uh, President's Weekend. It was the Friday before President's Weekend. And I was looking for um, one of our teachers on that day and could not find that person uh, for the life of me. And eventually I had asked several people where uh, this teacher was. And I was told that the person had taken off uh, for the professional day. And 
in my mind, that wasn't even an option. Like to take off on a professional day, it's something where you should be learning and um, you should be growing as a professional. Um, and that person had chosen to take the day off to make it a four-day weekend. And um, I, I was kind of angry about it at first. And as I as I sat through the sessions that we had planned for our teachers that day um, and then reflected over the long weekend, uh, what I kind of realized was that I couldn't really blame the teacher because we had a lot of sit and get and we, we took all of our staff members and we forced them into um, a large auditorium and we spoke at them for four hours. And as I kind of reflected on that piece, it dawned on me that um, you know our educators are not getting exactly what they need. Um, so I, I kind of knew that. And then I was trying to figure out exactly how to kind of change that paradigm in terms of professional learning. And that summer, I had the chance to attend my first ed camp, um, which was ed camp leadership in Philadelphia. And it was one of the early ed camp leaderships um, where educators from across the country kind of gathered in Philadelphia uh, before ed camp leadership kind of split into a lot of different regional uh, offerings. But that day, um, I kind of realized that that is one of the ways to make it meaningful and relevant to everyone is to have that choice. And uh, the fact that I had that choice and, you know, I sat in one session on um, relationships with parents. I sat in another session on homework and um, just great sessions that day. Uh, but again, all chosen by me. And I kind of realized that was exactly what we were missing in our own district. So that kind of sparked me to um, really shift the culture with regard to professional learning in our district. And, um, you know, it, it had a huge impact eventually, um, you know, led to trying to sp spread that four o'clock faculty message uh, to the masses. Right. Well, I'm the glad that are so important. <laughs> yeah. Okay. If your cup is not full, you cannot fill the cup of others. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> How do you promote self-care? So that's a tough one as well. So we have um, we have really tried this year to um, to help our staff out with regard to uh, self care. And um, actually, just about a month ago, um, I kind of looked at the staff and just realized that everyone was uh, pushing entirely too hard. Um, and, and I could just see it in the building on a daily basis. Um, sometimes you just recognize when the staff is had, um, I don't want to say had enough, but, um, you know, they, they've had their fill. Uh, we had, you know, kind of initiative fatigue within the building starting at the beginning of the year. We were doing, you know, five different things. And I think it kind of just wore on everyone as the year uh, progressed. So uh, about, a, a, I guess, three weeks ago at our last faculty meeting, um, I pulled our phys ed teacher aside and I said, hey, I want to do something um, just fun. Let's uh, have the staff come in and instead of, you know, learning something new or, or trying to, you know, focus on one of our initiatives, uh, let's just have some fun. And uh, we did human hungry, hungry hippos at our um, staff meeting. So if you have not seen that online, um, you know, go to YouTube, check out human hungry, hungry hippos. Um, we did that. And then we played uh, dodgeball and it was just an amazing experience. And, um, everybody had a blast. Um, everybody kind of got some of that uh, tension out, um, you know, by by hitting their colleagues with dodgeballs. And 
Um, what was interesting was the following day. Uh, so we did that on a Thursday afternoon and, um, coming in on Friday, um, I just noticed a, um, a difference in the building, um, just in the attitude and the spirit of everyone, um, and how teachers were reacting to students. So I think that, um, you know, taking those opportunities to, um, kind of de-stress a little bit, I think helps teachers. Uh, we also did some mindfulness, uh, instruction uh, with some of our teachers earlier in the year. Um, there's a great TED Talk video on power poses, uh, which um, our phys ed teacher kind of shared with colleagues. And uh, that has been something that has been powerful for not only our teachers, but uh, carrying that over to students as well. Great. Getting some ideas this morning. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, this month in honor of Adam Welcome, we are promoting hashtag more May. What is one way you can do more in May to finish strong? So I think it's really um, taking the opportunity to focus on um, those things that maybe you've wanted to do all year, you've been passionate about, but uh, because of, you know, uh, curriculum requirements and pacing guides and those sorts of things, um, you never really have time to do. Um, so what I have tried to um, work with our teachers in the past in May is really focusing on something that they may be passionate about and, and can bring to the uh, to the students. So um, I know something we did or we have been doing is called the Hour of Possibility, where we have our teachers pick something that they're passionate about to share with students. Um, and then students also get a choice. So every one of our staff members in the building uh, pick something to kind of share and, and help uh, students learn. And then from there, um, the students, you know, get their top three choices and we try to place them in one of their uh, choices. Uh, but we've had a teacher who uh, was really kind of passionate about cake decorating um, and brought that to students. And, you know, one of our third grade students last year was, um, you know, I, I feel like he's the next uh, cake boss because he absolutely loved it. Um, he had never done it before. And um, was just something that he was awesome at and and really enjoyed it. And, um, you know, from there, I think it, it allows everyone to kind of uh, become passionate about something. So maybe um, sharing some of those projects, whether it's a, you know, a project-based learning um, activity or, you know, anything that the teacher can bring their passion to, I think is going to carry them through uh, May um, and through the remainder of the year uh, without kind of losing that energy or that focus. I think that's so awesome. Even, you know, we're in a K2 building, Renee and I are. And so sometimes you're like, well, with the clientele we have, all eight-year-olds and under, how can you really promote leadership or passion projects? Um, but it's so true that you can share that and allow them. I mean, they all have their own passions as well at, at nine years old or 10 years old. Um, and I think it's so huge to promote that. And I know Renee brought um, passion projects uh, last year and then into this year. And it's just, it's so cool to see kids get excited about a variety of different topics, um, but then also kind of giving back. Yeah, it's funny. When we did our Hour of Possibility, we had, um, again, any number of topics that teachers were bringing to the table. And one of the ones which I was kind of um, shocked about, um, we really have less of a focus on handwriting skills um, within our curriculum. And um, so one of our teachers was offering handwriting and, and cursive writing uh, specifically as one of our activities. And I, I kind of looked at it initially and said, like, uh, you know, we'll probably get a couple of students who want to learn how to write in cursive, but, you know, it's probably not going to be many. 
And um, I kind of prepared the teacher for that and said, you know, if not a lot of kids sign up, we may have to do something else during that time. Uh, and we had probably 20 students in there um, learning to write cursive. <laughs> and um, I was amazed at, at seeing how excited they were. Um, you know, these are second and third graders, eight and nine years old, um, who, you know, when they're learning to write their name in cursive, it's, it's almost like a, a rite of passage for them. And um, you know, it was something to me that was so simple when I kind of looked at it and, and dismissed it up front. Um, but it did become a powerful piece for those students. So, um, sometimes it could be something very simple that they're passionate about, you know, learning to write their name in cursive. Um, uh, but when they're engaged in that, um, it is something that's uh, kind of powerful for them as well. That's awesome. Okay, Rich, we've come to the moment in the interview where it's time for the fast five. Okay. Oh, <laughs> five questions at you, and we just want you to tell us the first thought that comes to mind. Okay. Okay. All right. <sighs> Renee, fire away. Question one. What is something small that makes your day better? Um, just interacting with students. So, um, you know, whether it's in the lunchroom, uh, going out and playing football or jumping rope uh, on the playground, um, you know, greeting the students in the morning um, and, and when they leave in the afternoon, that's, that's the best part of my day. Okay. What is your ideal way to spend the weekend? Uh, hanging out with my kids. So, um, you know, we are normally at a thousand activities on the weekend, but, uh, just being present in those moments. What do you want to be when you grow up? Uh, I want to be a Disney Imagineer when I grow up. Fun. <laughs> cool job. Country life or city life? Oh, um, so I grew up in the city. Um, I love being around people. Um, so I'm going to say city life. Okay. Last question. Would you rather live in Narnia or go to Hogwarts? Uh, so <laughs> I'm going to, I guess I'll have to go with uh, Hogwarts there. So. <laughs> Um, my, my children are huge Harry Potter fans and, um, you know, my, my oldest daughter actually is, uh, going through the Chronicles of Narnia now. Um, I, I can't say I was exposed to either one of those things growing up, but, uh, uh I'm kind of getting it through my kids now. So I'll, I'll go with Hogwarts. Okay. Good answer. <laughs> well, Rich, th this has been awesome. It's great to talk to you. Uh, your book was really, truly inspiring and, and caused Renee and I to take action in our own building and come up with you know random ideas that we implement the next day and, and pull kids in for green screen videos and all sorts of stuff. So uh, thank you for taking the time to talk to us. Is there a message or anything you want to share with anyone who will listen in uh, before we sign off? I would just say to anyone who is listening, um, if you're an educator and you are struggling to find exactly what you need, um, go rogue, you know, find, find those people who are going to help you learn, whether it is an administrator, uh, whether it's a coach, whether it's a colleague, whether it's somebody outside of education completely, uh, find those people who are going to inspire you, um, to do great things, to, to change what you're doing. Um, you know, not simply for the sake of change, but, uh, for the sake of improvement and, and, uh, really carrying all of that over to students. And I think that is kind of the most important piece is, you know, no matter what type of professional learning we're doing, or even if it's a bad PD session that we're forced to sit through, is how is that impacting the work that we're doing with our students on a daily basis? So um, really making sure that we are impacting those kids every day. Great. Awesome. <clears throat> Thank you. Thank you, Rich. Thank you. Tune in next week to learn more as we...
Shermo. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank, thank you. you.